to another Space Flicks, the best Space Flicks of the year. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this is this is the podcast where we watch a movie and determine whether it was worth uh, beaming out to space for a lonely astronaut. At extremely low bit rates. That's right. But uh, spoiler alert for this one, we kind of, uh, we know this one is worth beaming up to space because yeah. we're recording it. We're recording this episode a year after watching the movie. Um, which we have known for a while is was one of our favorites of the year, and I think uh, now having looked back is our favorite of the year. Yeah, I mean, we sort of at the time that we saw it, we we're like, well, that was incredible, mm-hmm. um, and then ju- we but we knew there were a whole variety of movies to come out later in the year, and we we're like, well, surely those will all also be contenders for best picture of the year for from a space flicks point of view and uh many challengers came uh but none were quite as good as the masterpiece all were defeated <laughs> the masterpiece that is alex garland's annihilation um so there you have it space flicks is champion of the best movie of the year that's the end of the episode that's it <laughs> annihilation um no, so yeah, it's been a year. We just watched the movie a second time. Yep. Um, I think we should just, I feel like we should just go ahead and acknowledge up front that this is probably going to be a shorter episode than it ought to be because it's late. And uh, I don't know, I'm pretty tired. You seem pretty tired. I am fired so up. So we're just going <laughs> to... We're just gonna go right through the uh, the agenda for today. But anyway, the first the first item is just kind of like context and expectations. So you mentioned this is Alex Garland's movie. I believe it's his second movie that he directed. I don't even know. I don't even know what's going. He was on a writer. I think Ex Machina was his directorial debut, <laughs> and uh, he had written like The Beach, I think, and Judge Dredd and some other stuff before then. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're looking at his IMDb now. So, so this was his second movie. It's his follow up to uh, Ex Machina. Um, I will say, I really liked Ex Machina, and knowing that it was by the same person, and then just seeing the, the trailer, like the visual effects in particular, I think looked quite stunning, mm-hmm. and uh, and that music, which we were just talking about a second ago. Yep. Um, plays in the trailer that sort of bizarre alien music, and uh, synth. heavy synth. And so I was pretty pumped for this movie, just just from like how mysterious and intriguing it seemed from the previews, and and from from knowing Alex Garland from Ex Machina. Yeah, I was definitely psyched. What about you? Um, I have never seen Ex Machina, and so I, see it. I I've been told by so many people it's like it's great, you should totally see it, and I was like, yeah, I'll definitely get around to it. <laughs> But I would rather watch Buster Scruggs a second time. I remember so. you being super, in my opinion, you seemed quite dismissive of Ex Machina when it came out. You were like, you were like, yeah, I saw the preview. I, I feel like I know how that movie's gonna go, or something Did like I that. Did I say that? Yeah, yeah. You were just like, that. it doesn't, it doesn't look that interesting. Hmm. I feel feel very wrong now. Well, I think you thought it was like gonna be like a horror movie. Oh, I don't know what I thought. Which, yeah, which it's not really. So, um, so maybe that was just like the marketing. But, uh, but yeah, surely, surely, given this movie, you are int- you are at least interested in seeing X Machina. Yeah, for sure I am. Yeah. So, um, uh, should we stick to the standard space flicks? Oh, more. I mean, more or less. We can breeze through it. So we were both psyched for it. Anything else you want to say about your sort of what you brought to the movie? Um. I will say I'm not like a huge Natalie Portman fan, so I wasn't like psyched about the cast, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, I think, just generally on board with the premise of like, oh, so it's just like a bunch of ladies in a adventure? <laughs> like, that's not the most... No, it's u- like a lady, lady sci-fi movie. <laughs> well, it's like not the most usual thing, and just, I don't know, by virtue of just that, I was like, well, at least it's like... That it would be different. Different sure. in that regard. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I didn't have a ton of expectations. I thought the trailer looked really compelling. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, ag- again, I thought just, like, the, the little hints of sound design and 
visual effects in the trailer. Yeah, ma- mainly just the shimmer. Just the shimmer yeah. looks so cool to me. And, yeah, and the, um, just the sort of mystery surrounding the whole thing. I was like, I would like to learn more about this mystery. Yeah. And so that's all I really had going into the initial viewing of Annihilation. All right, and then, uh, so so we were both intrigued and looking forward to it. Normally, the next thing we talk about is uh, box office numbers. Um, I don't really have them in front of me. I know this no- this movie didn't do especially great. No. Also, it, um, I mean, a couple things. It was kind of doomed because, first of all, it came out in, I think, February. It was right. January or February release, which is a sort of a dumping ground period of the year. And yeah. um, I think it's Paramount uh, distributed the movie. That what who whatever the company is that that uh, distributed it, they just straight up sold the international distribution rights to Netflix. Okay. Um. So this movie didn't even come out in theaters internationally, as far as I know. I believe oh, it. I believe just, it was straight to Netflix. They figured they could do better just selling the distribution rights to Netflix. Yeah, they just the had box. no confidence in the movie. Um, the opening weekend in the U.S. Uh, looks like it was around eleven million. Um. Which honestly, that doesn't seem that terrible, but it was on a budget of forty million, so uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't make its money back, at least not in the U.S. Who knows how much they sold it to Netflix for? Yeah. That was probably hedging their bets, and you know, ultimately broke even on it. Right. Um, it does make me sad, only because like this movie's not the kind of movie that really should have done a ton of money. It's like not a blockbuster movie. It's kind of like an art, an art, almost like high budget art house movie yeah um, yeah so that's fine i only it only bums me out a little because i just want to see more alex garland movies right um i do think i mean i think ex machina was probably a a hit uh, i mean like a modest hit um it got some oscar recognition for like best special effects i think and um so i suspect he'll he'll definitely be okay like this movie was not like a total flop it was just kind of had a weird release um and ex machina was i think pretty successful so i'm sure we'll see more from him yeah i think this is in a peculiar genre of movie that is like extremely quiet and meditative for the mm-hmm. most part subtle um you know hot like highly you know a lot to unpack in the realm of like allegory or metaphor or philosophy right but with like very high production value and very high sort of like special effects uh production value you know and and i mean pretty big star power too yeah Um, for sure natalie portman oscar isaac i mean even tessa thompson she's a a big star now um and so you know, it, it. I just can't think of a ton of movies that occupy that kind of space. No, like, this this is very much like I definitely mentally group this with Arrival. Yeah. Because they're both like sort of inexplicable. <laughs> yeah. You know, like these days, studios don't really put tens of millions of dollars into these types of movies, but Arrival's another one with like. Jeremy Renner, Amy Adams, you know, sort of like big cast, yeah. really clearly high, like big budget behind all the special effects. The visuals are great, and just the production values, like you said, are super high. And it's like a really good movie, um, but it's just kind of a sci-fi movie that nobody asked for, you know. Like right, audiences, right. audiences. I just don't like. It mystifies me in a good way. I'm very happy those movies got made because I love that movie too, but. uh but it's like kind of weird to me that studios would greenlight them, cause, yeah. Because like, what research, you know, or what sort of like data do they have that people are gonna pay for these movies? I don't know. Well, you know, it feels anyway. it feels like probably the bet the the bet's probably very simple, which is like you can get Natalie Portman to be in it, you can make it for forty million dollars or less. Sure. I guess we can make I that mo- we can make that yeah. money back, right? Um, it might they probably just about did, but yeah, I mean, like if it's thirty two million <laughs> on a forty million dollar budget, uh, with thirty two millions of of revenues <clears> in the United <throat> States, then basically it's like you need the rest of the world to pitch an eight million bucks, which it will, right? Yeah, but that's to break even. I mean, 
does does it make sense to, <laughs> would you give someone 40 million dollars if they were like i can give you the 40 million back right you're like i could have just <laughs> held on to my money normally when you spend money like that it's because you want to make money yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um so anyway uh I, enough about box office i think we haven't even really said what the movie's about um obviously this is a year after it came out so People probably know if they're listening to this, but since we have IMDb open anyway, shall we just read the, the uh, synopsis? The synopsis, yeah. So, Annihilation, a biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. So, yeah, so that's the synopsis of the movie. Um, like I said, probably anybody listening to this would kind of already have a little bit more context than that, probably have seen the movie, in fact. Um but our next section is themes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, thinking about that synopsis, it's sort of, that's really just the sort of s- skeleton. That's yeah. the structure of the movie. That is what happens. Um, they go into a secret expedition. I would say it's pretty obvious what the, what the main theme is. It's kind of the title. Right. Um, or to be a little more specific, self-destruction, right? Yes, and I I do think that there is something um, also, like, at the heart of the movie. Yes, it it is about the ways, or or almost just, like, the inherent uh, strangeness that existence is sort of the way that life on this planet has built itself. It, It has coded into it the idea of its eventual destruction, right? Right, yeah. And so that's very early in the movie is yeah. setting that that idea. And so Annihilation as a title obviously makes reference to that. I think something that's very interesting in this movie that really comes to bear by the end of the film that you really understand is there is always something I feel like replacing the thing that's being destroyed. In this movie or in real life? In or this in movie, okay. right? Like I feel like there's a very sort of it's not just that things are being annihilated and um you know this force is breaking things down to the point where they are unrecognizable as themselves anymore Mm -hmm. but those parts are being reused repurposed incorporated into other things and are all and like always sort of uh persist in forms unrec you know previously unrecognizable as that thing yeah it is interesting because i think the movie definitely in terms of the the actual phenomenon that's happening in the movie um that definitely seems to hold true and in fact uh i can't remember if it's the if it's benedict wong's character interviewing her or interrogating her um or a conversation she's having with another character but somebody says something to the effect of like it's it's destroying everything and right and she she corrects them and says it's changing everything yes um uh or it's changing things and that seems to be definitely a big part of what's happening in the movie although i do think thematically the movie connects that to the idea of self-destruction and destruction being encoded into our dna and i don't know that the replacement element is a big part of that theme that seems to be what happens in the movie but like there's a there's a bit of dialogue somewhere around the middle where uh the character played by jennifer jason lee um what's her name she's ventress yeah ventress an interesting name ventress says something like we all Almost all, very few of us commit suicide, but almost all of us self-destruct. Right. And then she says, like, whether it's we drink, you know, right. we we cause disruption to our professions, we ruin our good marriages. Right. You know, I feel like she's talking about both genetically, but also just sort of figuratively at a higher level. Right. This this impulse that people have to destroy themselves. And if if the movie made the point that it's not just destruction, it's also like replacing what's there with something different, then I missed it. I feel like in terms of, again, in terms of the theme, I think it's kind of like a, the arrow moves in one direction. As, uh, 
and it's towards destruction. I feel like maybe I am considering what the act of destruction is in this movie a little bit differently than what it typically means, mm. right? Because I think you're right. Like, um, you know, like the laws of physics still apply, I think, in some ways in this movie. And it's sort of like matter can either be destroyed or created. It can just change forms, right? And mm -hmm. it's sort of like, you know, Jennifer Jason Lee is totally destroyed in this movie, right? <laughs> but she also changes forms, right? Yeah, like, yeah, no, but I'm 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 talking about the figurative part of like of how the, all of the things that happen in the movie are sort of relating to this real world um this real phenomenon in all of us of self-destruction and yeah. I, and like the idea of of uh, like for example, take uh sabotaging your own healthy marriage, right? Right. I don't feel like the movie makes the point that when you sabotage your own marriage, you're not just destroying the marriage, you're also creating something new in that process. I would and I would argue in some ways like um the movie is in, like what you have created is like a lonely existence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you didn't just destroy it's, a marriage. It's just like an alligator with shark teeth. Right. <laughs> So, at any rate, I, I realize that this is sort of a splitting hair kind of distinction without difference type argument where I'm like, yes, by just by burning down my house, I created an empty space where the house used to be, right? And it's sort of like, yeah, that's called destruction, right? Um, and so, yeah, it's, I, I do feel like the, uh, let's see, what are, what are my examples? Shepherd's voice coming back mm -hmm. in a bear. Um, Ventress clearly is, one of the best scenes in the movie. Ventress we'll becoming like a swirling ball of energy. <laughs> Tessa Thompson becoming a plant. Well, also right. Lena and her and Kane um, becoming duplicated. Right. Right. Um, those. It just felt like there was some sort of. I mean, it that that example. I suppose in some ways the very 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 opening part of the movie sets up this idea which is like a cell duplicates and the cell that um is the duplicate attempts is attempting to be exactly like the cell from whence it came but it can't help but be probably a little bit different right <laughs> especially in this movie and in this movie wildly different yeah right and so that is sort of like I felt like in some ways it was the ending was trying to marry like these two ideas of like destruction but and cell division mm -hmm. in like one sequence right yeah. um and so that's sort of why I'm I'm hung up on the whole idea of like creation and destruction being the same thing um I don't know that it's as clean. I don't know if it's as clean as that, and maybe the movie movie is more mysterious than my simple diagnosis might indicate. No, I, I think I I definitely think that's what's what's happening in the movie, um, kind of on the, you know, in the text, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because because yeah, every every occurrence of destruction that's like that's like what the alien is doing in the movie, right? right. It's it's changing everything and and the sort of the character with the exception of Natalie Portman, just about all the characters in the movie perceive it as a destructive force. Right. When it's really just modifying everything. Right. Um okay, so aside from destruction and perhaps the sort of accompanying creation, any other themes in this movie? Well, there, I mean, on. there's the idea of all these women who decide to go into this mysterious zone, this area mm -hmm. called the Shimmer, uh, as being damaged in some way or almost like having a more concrete reason to be self-destructive. Like, they, right. it's like the only reason one would go into this area is if you weren't super concerned with getting back alive yeah do you think that played do you think that was related to the theme i mean it definitely seems it almost seems to intersect 
it intersects and I almost think that it's not um it doesn't support the main theme super well because because the main theme to me is sort of like even people who well I guess I'm specifically thinking about her saying a happy marriage you know which mm-hmm. clearly stings Natalie Portman a little bit and there's a there's a thread in the movie of her having this affair Mm -hmm. and it's not really explained why she would have the affair i mean you can sort of you can you can make sense of it just sort of in broad strokes as she has a husband who's off on missions a lot yeah so you know that's a pretty common recipe for someone having an affair but um but i i think when she's talking to jennifer jason lee and she talks about self-destruction and the impulse and and gives uh, sort of undermining one's happy marriage as an example. I think that's supposed to uh, hit Lena pretty hard and and sort of con- communicate to the audience that Lena has destroyed her own happy marriage. And and to me, maybe I'm like reading too much into the movie. Uh, to me, I felt like. It's it's supposed to be a little bit like there is no good reason that she would have done that, right? That it's like, well, like I don't know why we do this. I don't know why we do these self destructive things. I don't know why humans destroy themselves. It's just kind of hard coded in us, right? Um. So all that to say, uh, the fact that they all go into the shimmer because they sort of have nothing to lose, you know? Right. I feel like undermines that a little bit because i feel like some of the point of the movie is that we all do it not just because we have nothing to lose like even if we have everything to lose we sort of still self-destruct yeah i i wonder if perhaps um they needed a convenient story mechanism to get volunteers yeah right i mean at the end of the day it's still a movie that involves people who are supposedly somewhat real people and you have to believe that this would maybe happen like can't they can't just have like perfectly happy people going in and then the whole audience is like why in the world are these people going into this it's sort of like in a horror movie right when you're you know like don't go in there right right and it's like why would any rational person go in there if you're looking at a magical blob of light and color that no one has ever gotten Where, out yeah, from. Yeah, you're being told that for three years people have been going in and nobody's come out. It's like no the one r- person who did come out is your husband who's like was immediately spitting blood and yeah, has a total like organ failure. You would, I, I could see the filmmaker's point of view that's like no rational person with a healthy even even by this movie standards like healthy attitude toward life <laughs> right like would just go in there yeah and so they needed four or five characters who you know had not a lot to lose and a ton of curiosity about this thing yeah um which so i i think that that was the only other um thing that i was that i sort of noticed theme wise anything that you noticed uh no, I think that's I mean, I think the movie's pretty clean, really, thematically. Right, right. It's kind of got it's kinda of got one central idea that it's exploring from that it sets up really yeah. early. Yeah. And is exploring all the way to the end, which I think is pretty great. Yeah. Um actually that I I forgot about this, but back to the the distinction I was making, I don't know that I articulated it very well, but how everything the alien does is not just destroying, it's creating. Yeah. Um, ver- versus my feeling that, you know, the human impulse it's talking about is like a purely destructive one. I feel like that, uh, that distinction becomes very clear in the very end of the movie to me. But we'll get to that. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. I think normally if this were... Let's say if this were a movie that didn't come out a year ago, mm-hmm. we shouldn't really have been like spoiling it up till now. So then I would I would give a spoiler warning, but we've definitely been just talking about stuff that happens in the middle at the end. Yeah, this movie uh, came out. Who a year dies? Ago, How spectacularly! So we can just move right ahead to. Um, uh, oh, you know what? I'm wrong. 
we were going to do rich man, poor man, but I, I haven't put any thought into it. So hmm. is this a rich man's version of something or a poor man's no, the, version of something? Well, this was the best movie of 2019 or 2018, so this was the it's rich... It's not really a poor man's version of this anything. This was the rich man's mo- version of movies. <laughs> I feel like any movie... Is there another movie that involves, like, going into a dangerous zone and getting... I guess it's a little bit like Heart of Darkness, actually. Like Apocalypse Now or yeah, something like Apocalypse that. Apocalypse Now, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yes. That, that is exactly the it's movie. It's quite that, a bit like Apocalypse Now, now that I say that out That loud. is exactly the movie I thought of the first time I saw this. I was like, oh, yeah. and I loved it. I loved that it had like an Apocalypse yeah. Now kind of... Of course, calling it a rich man's Apocalypse Now is not really... I mean, Apocalypse Now is a masterpiece. So. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's certainly it's in that it's in that category. So maybe all movies about going into a into the heart of darkness are are bound to be good. <laughs> uh, I feel like didn't we? There's got to be a terrible version. Didn't of a we movie recently? Like that? Is recently see another movie that has this kind of trajectory? I don't know. Did we? I don't. Re- maybe maybe not. I don't. Did remember. we see it and forget it? Possibly. It's a poor. It's a rich man's version of that. Whatever it was. Yeah. So it's similar to Apocalypse Now in many ways, but I wouldn't... But, yeah, it's not like... Uh, I can't... It's not like a lot of movies um, that are... That are that try to do this thing and fail that I can think of, or that either of us can no, think it's, of. No, right I mean, it's kind of inherently a downer kind of genre unless you like this type of movie specifically because, like, the journey of the characters is to kind of a place of um irreconcilable illogical like there's sort of there's sort of an insanity or a madness like at Mm -hmm. the center right Uh, certainly in apocalypse now and so like the closer you get to it the less um able you are to deal with it right yeah um I'm, you know what you know what I'll, I'll tell you two other movies that i think are like this okay yeah uh, n- not not quite as literally as apocalypse now is but training day okay and sicario okay i think all of these movies have in common that the protagonist sort of starts out having no idea mm-hmm. what is kind of deep in the world that they're about to enter yep like the deeper you go the more and more the the sort of the darker it gets yeah and 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 the more you sort of um you know you 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 follow this character's journey into this dark and disturbing place that yeah. they weren't really prepared for in the beginning seven is kind of like this as seven. well yeah i could see that yeah yeah. yeah, but but all of these are good. movies. These are all excellent movies. This is a, this <laughs> so this is, is the this is the recipe. This maybe is, this is the best genre of movie. <laughs> right, make a movie about that, and it's gonna be good. Yep. Um, okay, so n- not really a, not really a poor man's or a rich man's anything, but lots of movies that yeah. have that idea. Uh, but yeah, I think um, f- for sure the closest uh, comparison would be Apocalypse Now because it's. It's going into an actual like literal physical place, like a jungle, and yeah. and there's and there's something at the very center of it, yeah, that is that is deeply uh, upsetting, right? Right. In yeah. both of those movies, and I think in some ways that's a testament to the quality <clears throat> of this movie, right? Like, I don't really compare it to anything that I've seen, right? Yeah, yeah. It's I mean aside, you know, there's these tangential references we're making, but it's not like I'm like, oh yeah, this movie does this thing way better than this other movie that tried to do the same thing no right it's like no this is just a it's a pretty singular movie part of the reason i think that we liked it so much for sure okay speaking of why we liked it so much it's the best thing in the movie or best uh okay i I have some candidates uh obviously the nightmare bear the nightmare bear it's gotta be a strong top top contender yeah um the ending uh the ending fantastic mm-hmm. um the hug at the end mm-hmm. just chilling <laughs> a little chilling that's one of the probably one of the biggest parts that we at when we first saw the movie i feel like i had a lot of questions about yeah um, they're not really answered on the second viewing, but that's okay. I have a very a very minor moment that I thought was uh, 
and actually, and actually, I think this sort of is a to me sort of recurring theme throughout the film that I thought was just excellent or current, like visual thing that they did. Mm-hmm. So there's a moment where sh- uh, Lena, Natalie Portman's character, is um, walking alone through the forest looking for the body of one yeah. of her fallen comrades, and she comes across a it's sort of. Ex- uh, very odd looking uh, sort of deer antelope like. or deer. Yeah, yeah. And then either through like what feels like your eyes playing tricks on you, mm-hmm. that deer becomes two deer. And it those two deer move in perfect synchronicity and then like run away. And I think for a few moments, you're meant to be questioning like, is she seeing things? Mm. Am I seeing things? Right. right. And I feel like the movie has lots of moments like that where you're like, did their eyes just do something? Mm-hmm. Did her hand just do something? Yeah. Was that tattoo on her arm at the beginning of the movie? <laughs> right. Like there's lots of moments like that. Yeah. And I just like every time it happened, I just loved it because I feel like it's pretty unusual for a movie to really make you question if you just saw what you think you saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of the movie. It's kind of like, usually most movies, that's like a failure of the movie. Oh, like yeah, you, if you sure part of this movie. If you don't understand the thing that you just saw, right? But in this movie, it's like, I think her palm just did something, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and so that I, there's not one moment, it's not one thing, but it's like that collection of things I thought was really compelling throughout the film. Yeah. Uh, any other nominees? Um, I mean, so much of this, the visuals I loved. I guess one other thing I'll throw into the mix is uh, the, I don't know what to call it, other than the the corpse wall, the corpse moss wall. <laughs> um, in the pool. In, in the, the swimming pool, pool. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Terrifying. They, you know, they see the video... Yeah, it, they see the video of of them cutting this guy open in, in a chair, and then shortly after they see, I don't think it's like immediately obvious, but it becomes pretty quickly obvious. Like this was that guy, yeah, and whatever, and it's the aftermath of him and whatever was inside him. Yes, um, you know, probably like bursting him open or something, but then just like turning into what looks like just a bunch of plant life um, um yeah a like fungus or, or something fungus or something along the wall it just looks incredibly grotesque yes and kind of beautiful at the same time and and really upsetting i mean it's like a it's clearly a dead person right yeah but yeah. uh i think that was just an amazing visual yeah uh probably the the first it's sort of like the movie's kind of teasing you with some kind of intriguing visuals leading up to that with like the flowers Mm -hmm. and the alligator with the shark teeth and um but nothing then nothing quite like that until that moment right and then it continues to to show you some bizarre things something that's so elegant about the way this the story is constructed but makes perfect sense is um the mutations become more and more severe yeah the closer you get to the lighthouse which makes sense because the area of the shimmer has been slowly expanding yep. over time which means so that the stuff in the middle, the stuff in the middle the has had the most time yeah. to mutate right and so i i just i just felt like the entire unlike a story like apocalypse now where like the insanity seems to get more pronounced as you get closer to Kurtz, mm-hmm. right? Um, but for no reason <clears throat> per se, right? That's just sort of like, that's just the, the world of the film. That just yeah. is what happens yeah. to be, right? But in this movie, it's like, no, there is like a weird a sort phys- of physical, physical reason yeah. for that, right? Um, so I thought that was really, really well done. Um, one other thing that I will say is, you know, this is now the second time that I've seen this movie. I believe the second time that you've seen it too, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there, this this movie's a mystery, right? Fundamental to this movie is the fact that 
you know, we don't know what's happened to all these other expeditions that have gone in, and more specifically, we don't know what's happened to Cain, Lena's husband, mm-hmm. right? He's gone in. Uh, some something that certainly looks like him has come back, but he's very different, right? And um, the replay value of this movie was much higher than I anticipated. Oh yeah, because even knowing sort of the 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 secrets of the mystery, or as much as I think one probably can know per se, mm-hmm. like I. It, it sort of worked very well for me almost in the way that like the sixth sense would work for somebody mm. on upon second viewing. Sure. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, Oh, these conversations make so much more sense to me now. They initially seemed extremely opaque and obtuse and I wasn't sure why people were saying what they were saying. But like in the example of, um, she's having a kitchen table conversation yeah, with her Kane recently returned yeah. husband. And she's like, how long were you there? He's like, I don't know. Right. right? Um, how did you get here? I don't know. Right. That, that, that dialogue contains some of my favorite lines in the movie just because of how upsetting it would be as the wife yeah. to hear your husband say that. Um, the, the, the part where she's like, how did you get here? And he was like, I was outside the room. I was, I was outside. outside. And she's like, outside the house? And he's like, no, outside the room. Right. And I saw you. And it's like... And I like, recognized right, you. And I recognized you. And from his perspective, he's like answering the question. Yep. yep. <laughs> but from her perspective, she's like, that is not what I was this asking at all. This is the most batshit answer yeah. that you could be giving me. Um, right. And, and, and I, I agree with you. It works really well the second time knowing where he was coming from. But I think also even just the first time watching... Uh, I just loved that dialogue because, like, as an audi- as an audience member, I'm like, why is he saying that? Yeah, you know, like, it's really, it's it's just uh, something is clearly wrong with him, you right? Know? But but it it's I don't know. I think it was very very clever that that particular exchange in yeah. making the viewer like so so disturbed but intrigued to kind of understand why he's responding to her like that it sort of reminds me um of the best movie of its year the prestige um (laughs) of any year when you know uh the hugh jackman character asked christian bale's character he's like which knot did you tie Mm -hmm. he's like i don't know Mm -hmm. he's like how can he not know and like one character cannot comprehend how another character doesn't know. Yeah. Um, but it's like, but then when you go to the end of the movie and you understand everything that there is to understand within that movie, then you go back and you're like, oh, it would make yeah. sense that that character actually that doesn't know. doesn't know the answer to that question. Yep, yep. For a very different reason. Well, actually, very similar reason. Very, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, similar and different. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, but let's be real. I mean, for me, there's a lot of great parts but i think the ending the ending it has to be the ending by which i mean really from like um jennifer jason lee's explosion through through all the way to her leaving the lighthouse for me i mean for me it's just from the intertitle where it says the lighthouse Mm -hmm. all the way through yeah that's true that's true yeah the lead up because which is because it's probably a half hour sequence it's a very long sequence charred body sitting there yes Watching the video, yes. Going into the little dark tunnel, yes. It's all, yeah. That that whole segment is just amazing. Yeah, and I mean, I think watching it the second time was great, but the first time, and not a, knowing a, what she's gonna find, mm-hmm. was just yeah, breathtaking, yeah, mind blowing, absolute. Some of the best like cinematic, you know, for sure, best cinematic part of twenty eighteen for me. Yeah. Um, I just, I mean, I love it when a movie that has anything to do with aliens makes me feel like, um, like I feel like you would really feel if you really encountered something that was truly alien. Yes. That you can't understand at all. Uh, this movie to me was much better at that than most. I mean, which is probably why I also quite liked Arrival. But, like, that whole experience, you're so... I'm like, I think the movie's so effective because it almost made me feel as if this was really happening, you know? And, like, 
and I felt as nervous as I w- would probably feel in real life if I, I mean, probably not, you know, but, uh, at the very least I was, you know, I was fascinated to, to see what was going to happen. And it just felt like she was going into something truly alien, truly like, right. Truly unlike anything on this earth. There, right? Yeah. There was something really exhilarating about, I would say Natalie Portman's performance during that entire sequence, right? Mm-hmm. Because she is hell bent on finishing this journey, right? But she, but her performance also conveys like the the real reluctance and fear mm-hmm. that is accompanying it. Like it's like one emotion is definitely winning, but the other one's definitely there, right? Right? And so like. The, there is a shot after she is like she's reached the beach she's walked down the beach to the lighthouse past these crystal trees these like glass trees mm-hmm. right um there's a shot of her opening the door and walking into the lighthouse and it's just sort of like that shot is filmed in such a way and captures a look on her face of like sort of taking a breath before you dive into a swimming pool you mm-hmm. know that it it sort of there's a here we go type mm-hmm. feeling to it um and i just feel like the movie quite definitely knows what it has right and what it's doing and it's like there's this is scary mm-hmm. but absolutely fascinating and she the care like um certainly uh lena and dr ventress both like must know what is in this lighthouse yeah yeah. and i think they conveyed all of those emotions like perfectly well yeah and then so the lead up i thought was great and Mm -hmm. sort of set me as an audience member up for like the emotions that i was sort of primed to feel that that i felt the movie wanted me to be, be ready to feel and then yes like just the way that entire sequence unfolds with like mystery reveal mystery reveal mm-hmm. mystery reveal like um each one of them amazing mm-hmm. right shocking uh just you know it's it's pretty unusual i feel like for a movie to be able to sustain sort of me feeling like i'm a solid 8 throughout most of the movie and then concluding with like 10 10 10 right right uh, which it's pretty rare most movies like have tens you know in the first third of the movie it's like a game it's like a weird bowling game right <laughs> it's like <laughs> i just if if i can get three strikes in that last frame it's yeah. a pretty great game um but i feel like most movies like i'm thinking about i don't know why i'm thinking about this but like a movie like baby driver right uh-huh. like there's nothing much better than that first driving sequence he does in the red Subaru, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You don't, that, That's that's kind of the, the if you can if you can do it uh, the reverse of that. That's ideal. Like yes. you know, if you have to, or <laughs> a movie that's strong all the way through, that would be great, right? But if it has to be strong on one end, you want it to be the back end, not the front end. Yes. Which is why uh, another spare, fl- uh, uh, excuse me, space flicks favorite, uh, Mission Impossible <laughs> Fallout, mm-hmm. uh, does the same trick. Strong ending, right? Yeah. Just like the ending is unbelievable, mm-hmm. right? You don't put a helicopter fight in the first part of your movie. You put it at the end. Well, right? yeah. I mean, the previous Mission Impossible movie starts with the airplane, right? Yeah. Although I think Rogue Nation has some solid stuff throughout, but but doesn't have an ending anywhere like right. fall, Fallout. That's so at any sure. rate, yeah, I feel like that's a lesson to be learned. Yeah, I think um, Alex Garland even even said something to that effect. Not not specifically about having such a strong ending, but he did talk about how um, the movie doesn't show you a lot that's super weird in the first you know half or even in the first two thirds because he said like if you start really weird then Mm -hmm. the audience acclimates to it and then by the end you know they're just used to it like you can't really like wow them anymore with with the weird stuff right this movie had to had to really take its time getting into some of the weirder parts yeah um 
which we were sort of talking about and it, and it and it it works thematically and it works like from a just from a practical standpoint of like you said like the stuff in the middle has been mutating the most so it should be the weirdest yeah um but uh but yeah i think i think that kind of goes some way towards explaining why that worked out so well with with having such a strong end cuz he was deliberately saving you know a, a lot of the the quote unquote weird stuff, which I think is what makes the movie so special. Yeah. For the like last like thirty minutes to forty five minutes. Yeah. The there's a little bit of weird stuff right in the beginning. I think I think like Kane coming home is is weird. Sure. But it's not that visually weird, right? right. It's not it's not showing you any of what the shimmer is all about. You so. would you would accept the pre- I think you do as an audience. You accept the premise that he is sick. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's been sick. Yeah, and then when they first get into the shimmer, it's just like, okay, it's like a jungle, you know? Right. You don't you don't really get that great. And, and you know, and they're like, oh, we lost track of time, and there's weird flowers, you know? Right. But it does, nothing's that weird yet. Yeah, there's um, something about, the, the movie does a great job of, um, these are uh, weird things. Right, and mm-hmm. I feel like you and I talked about this in a separate conversation, where it's like if you woke up in a tent, and you were like, "I don't know how I got in this tent. <laughs> I don't know how many days it's been." Yeah. Right. Yeah. You would just like run for the exit, <laughs> right? But I think the movie does a great job of setting up characters who don't feel compelled to do that by virtue of sort of the damaged goods conversation that we were having earlier, mm-hmm. and then like just. Um, you know through movie magic just sort of like you know waves its hands and it's like look over here and you're like oh i guess i'm I'm done thinking about this tent and time problem now i'm just on to the next thing yeah i think we also talked the first time about how there's kind of a convenient um like there's a convenient explanation sort of for anything the audience could think of of like oh well why wouldn't you just do this this would be the rational thing to do which is um like by setting it up as oh they've they don't even know that how much time has passed mm-hmm. right the movie's like say, saying up front already their minds are not working properly already right right so, right so to be like well this would be what a smart plan would be like one of the ideas one of the thoughts that i had was like if you don't know how much time has passed seems like a smart and you're probably not that far in probably go out mm-hmm. and and get out of the shimmer mm-hmm. and then like tell them that you don't know how much time has passed and find out how much time's passed and then you'll know mm-hmm. that you could lose track of x number of days at a time right like not that that would be that valuable but it seems like surely there's some value in, in the pure in name in, of science going you would in do getting that. a little bit of information and going back out um but yeah but like if your mind's already not working properly Right. Then as the audience, you kind of have to accept that and can't be like, well, why wouldn't they do this? Why wouldn't they do that? It's like, I don't know, because they're in the shimmer and their minds aren't working the way that yours are when you're just watching the movie. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I think which is, like I said, it's kind of convenient, right, that that that's that's how it's supposed to work. Yes. Um, yeah. It's so, like the very first opportunity they have to make a good choice. They make kind of a from a certain point of view, a bad choice. Yeah, or yeah. just not, or just not the best choice. Kind of a perplexing choice. Um, but so, but so, I think we're agreed. There's a lot of strong parts of the movie, but the best, best part of the movie is how it ends. Yes. The final thirty minutes or so. Yes. Um, so we're pretty much. I think we're pretty much at the end. It's uh, fix the movie is our final. There's piece. no way to fix this movie. It's perfect. Well, I, I definitely think so. There are some things. I think we've already talked about a few. There's definitely some things in this movie that I don't think work that great or sure. or just aren't um even if they work they're not like that strong and I think you could remove them from the movie. I I think for me the biggest thing that is not great about the movie is the scenes with Benedict Wong. Oh, okay. I don't really I I don't really like how that's set up. I I couldn't I couldn't explain exactly why, but it feels to me like those scenes at least the first few, and this is, you know, I have no way of corroborating this, but um, it feels like they were written before the movie even existed. Sure. Like when he's like, 
can you describe its form? And she says no. Mm-hmm. And he's like asking her these questions. I just feel like the dialogue is written to be as um, like not informative as possible and to just like almost like almost like just for the trailers, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so it's like I, one, I feel like her answers don't really make a ton of sense. Like she's she's giving incredibly not helpful answers um when it's like if they if he asked can you describe its form you can answer that question you know right. like it's complicated but you wouldn't just say like no i can't describe it right <laughs> you know or or like other things where she's like he, she's just giving these like really stupidly monosyllabic answers to his questions but also just the setup of it of like why is this guy standing there in in like a hazmat, a hazmat suit. suit with like all of these other people outside the room like looking in and she's sitting there and he's asking her these questions like I don't know I just I don't understand why that would have happened like why they would have said okay we we need to ask her we need to get a lot of information out of her let's put her in this room mm-hmm. you know this quarantined room you put on this suit then go in there and then just like ask her some stuff <laughs> you know I, I don't know it just it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel that well thought out to me maybe you don't maybe you think it works i no problem with him asking her questions i feel like that would be now maybe would they do it in exactly that way wouldn't maybe they have her do it from a hospital bed or or i don't know some other way of interrogating her but i was like they would She's the only surviving person who has regained consciousness who can speak to her memories of this. Mm-hmm. I do feel like the questions were a little bit not the most obvious questions to ask. And yeah. then but I I actually kind of loved her answers even mm-hmm. though like I on one hand agree that they almost sound like they were written to be to make a compelling trailer but not like unlike the first scene in the film where she's talking to Kane he's like I don't know I don't know mm-hmm. and those answers actually kind of make sense to yeah, you yeah. upon once you know the context you know I could I could see an argument for her answers don't make sense cuz she could describe its form or she could um say what happened to Ventress mm-hmm. for example right and I think yeah yeah, for, totally. Right. She should be like, uh, she like exploded. In like a ball of light and energy. <laughs> it's kind of weird, I know, yeah. but she could say exactly what happened to her. Right. She wouldn't just say, I don't know. And so, But the thing to me that makes me okay with that conversation, because on one hand I agree with you that that's like, Lena would not answer that question that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think that what we're looking at at the end is like Lena. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not... I think she and um I mean, everybody's Kane, been mutated. K, you know, Kane is like an entirely new creation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, was I you? Were you me? <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Like, um, and she's obviously different, right? She goes so far as at one point in the movie to look at her own blood, see it see the cells dividing and mutating yeah. and claim and you know and explicitly say to one of her colleagues like it's in me mm-hmm. right like and then ventress at the end is like it's in me yeah right so this is like a thing that people note is like oh the shimmer whatever it this is yeah. is now part of me and so when uh benedict wong's character is like can you what happened to Ventress and she's like I don't know there's like um it's there, gotten there's into a, her a little bit there's an element of the same way that Kane doesn't know quite what's happened to him or whatever the the being known as Kane yeah right um by virtue of he can't he doesn't have like the memory or life experience to be able to articulate what he's experiencing now i feel like part one whatever lena is by the time she gets back her brain has been turned into you know cream of mushroom soup enough 
that she's like, I, I don't know. And, yeah. the, and the second thing is, if she is that radically changed and the shimmer is part of her in some way, and I don't know if there's any kind of consciousness or intent behind that, right? It's also possible she doesn't really want to answer his question. Yeah. Right? That is possible. I think, I think her answers bothered me a little bit, but it was more the... It was more just the 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 setup of of that whole interaction itself like you know something that probably uh, would have made it feel just a lot more uh like something that would have made it seem to make more sense to me would be something as simple as if he were like writing down her answers yeah i think I think it's just like he's just standing somebody was, there. Somebody was writing. Or if down. they showed somebody writing something, but just like he's just standing there asking her questions and she's yeah. just sitting there answering the question. I just like the setup of it. Yeah. It just I just to me it just didn't feel again, it didn't feel really thought through. Now, I'm sure if Alex Garland were here and I were saying this, he would have answers to everything I'm saying, but I I sort of suspect... But I think as a person watching the movie, it just felt like this bizarre... It felt like this thing that didn't really belong in the movie that was just put in there to sort of have a thing to cut to. Yeah. You know, um, occasionally. And and just, like, to have a character representing the outside world who's confused and wants... And doesn't, like... And can't possibly understand what she's been through. Does she ever lie... <clears throat> to Lomax, to Benedict Wong's character? Uh, not that I can That recall. we know of? No. Put it this way, in an interview format where you're cutting back and forth between the events and then an interview about the events, mm-hmm. I feel like a common trope is to sort of, like, catch the lie. Yeah. Right? Like, show what actually happened and then show, and then, like, show the person lying about whatever that thing was right yeah. so i'm wondering i'm trying to get, figure out if they ever use that technique in That's this movie cool. it feels like the closest we get is her saying i don't know about something she potentially does know about but yeah i mean we actually get something that's the opposite of what you said though where she in the actual narrative she tells her team that they should continue mm-hmm. in inland uh to the coast because that's the and fastest then, way out. And, yeah. that, and that, that she actually believes that that's the fastest way out. And then when they go back to the interrogation, he's like, so you lied to them. Right. Um, so to me, that's that's one thing. I don't know exactly how I'd fix the movie. I just would have changed that, <laughs> how that is all set up. Right. Probably to, to, be, to feel a little bit more like... I guess I would think through, like, she came out they i make it makes sense that they would like have her in some sort of like contained area or whatever but then if they needed to like ask her questions i feel like there'd be a person not with like this whole audience watching um and they would you know they'd be like sitting down asking her questions and writing down the answers or something yes. and they'd probably have like a list of questions they'd be asking her it just seems like he's standing there just asking whatever's on the top of his mind right. you know right um so any anyway, but uh, so that's one thing I think I would have done differently. Um, the first time I saw the movie, and this time to a lesser extent, the music, the guitar music specifically that that's plays, like the Crosby, Stills, Nash yeah, music. At, at points yeah. throughout the movie, I found a little like uh, jarring. I I I know we talked about it, and I know that yeah, or I shouldn't say I know. I'm pretty confident it was very intentional that yeah. the movie has has music that feels a little bit like um just traditional music yeah. in a in a that you would hear in a movie and it kind of like gradually uses that less less and less and uses more eerie sort of alien music yeah. more and more as it goes on like i get it but it still just feels a little bit off to me well i mean in um this is sort of related to the comment that I made when the movie ended. It's like, I, the if you asked me or a casual film person to like describe the soundtrack 
to this movie, mm-hmm. right? They might talk about the theme at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it's like this heavy synth with this minor key pattern, yeah. right? Um, and I don't think a lot of people would be like, oh, yeah, it's like basically a Crosby, Stills, and Nash guitar part is playing for like no. 70% and, of the movie. And, and I think, I've, I guess what, what it is to me is, I think the idea was to go from like a more normal movie to a more weird movie. But the truth is, this movie never feels like a normal movie. No. It 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 feels like the movie. It feels like a coherent movie. Like the the whole way through, it's kind of got this weird alien feel to it. Yeah. It just intensifies as the movie goes on. Right. So I think it's almost just like the guitar goes along with this like hypothetical portion of the movie that doesn't exist. Yeah. That's like a really normal feeling movie. Right. And and so I just think there's like a little bit of a mismatch. So that's another thing that I would say I would quote unquote fix about the movie. Right. Um, the only other thing is the thing we talked about uh, just just before we started recording, which is that um, having watching it a second time, I feel like the character of Josie, played by Tessa Thompson, is a little bit redundant to me. Yeah. I, I do think you're right, though. I mean, she represents the more like gentle personality that's a little more interested in just harmony um right and kind of you know and ultimately kind of gives in to this force but but it's because she doesn't you know her in her words she's like i don't want to fight it right um she just kind of wants to accept it um so that's kind of what she represents but i think um i think just as a character i guess i guess my my feeling was like Ventress has a pretty strong personality. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, for what's, sure. What's the What's the Gina Rodriguez's character's name? I'm not. Anya oh, Thornton. Anya has a super strong personality. Yeah. And Lena has a pretty strong personality. Josie doesn't really to me. Right. She is kind of a little more bland. Um, Cass, I think, is is a little more bland too, but it's like kind of forgivable because she's used as the you know the death early on right um so yeah i i i don't know that i don't know that i would remove josie in in hindsight um i think that she should have had more i guess to say and do to like sort of like emphasize the sort of part of humanity she represented i guess yeah the characters beyond (laughs) The only ones who really have robust inner lives, as far as I can tell, are Lena and Ventress. Mm-hmm. Um, the other characters are sort of a little more stock, right? Um, I was okay with they're that. Good, I mean, I was okay with it, but I agree with you. They could, if they were richer characters, it pro- probably would have been an even more amazing movie. But as it stands, even more amazing, yes. Uh, there was a lot of time you're right in the f- film dedicated to you know Lena's re- you know reminiscences right mm-hmm. about her life with and without Kane and the mistakes she made especially without him mm-hmm. right um and so they but I would say they probably even spend more time than they need to on her guilt and such um and so uh yeah i could i could i could be okay if they traded some of that time in for some better you know uh some more nightmare bears night more nightmare bears or more character development for the other three members of the expedition yeah i think for josie's the main one for me but i guess to a lesser degree the others as well anyway my all 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 that said those are all even my biggest one, the Benedict Wong one, is uh-huh. essentially a minor, minor gripe. So, no major gripes. Nope. Uh, movie doesn't really need fixing. I think we both agree with that. Yeah, it's best movie twenty eighteen. Best movie twenty eighteen. Obviously, we would send it off into space. Yes, we will beam it up to the astronauts or single astronaut at you know one bit per second or whatever <laughs> it ends up being. <laughs> it will take a long time. Um. All right. Any final thoughts? Um, no. I I'm, you know, more movies like this, please. Um, 
I you know they don't all need to be beautiful forty million dollar movies, right? Um, just I you know I love a good mystery. I love a good um, story about something that is inexplicable. We're trying to make sense of the unknowable, right? Um, I'm all I'm all for that. Uh, there's a rich tradition of movies that dabble in this kind of thinking, whether that's you know, Arrival from the year before, um, or, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm-hmm. Um, just love a good story about, that sort of is about not understanding or not being able to quite know the thing that you are most desperate to know about. Yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah, just more of those, please. Totally. Looks like his looks like Alex Garland is writing a movie version of Halo. Which is what the world needs. His next project. Interesting. Need more Halo content. <laughs> I don't really know anything about that game. I know it's a beloved game. So. First person shooter. Yeah. That's what I know. Alright. Well, we did it, Adam. Let's uh Annihilation. So yes, in summary, spare fl- uh space flicks listener. Um go go get it. <laughs> and, go, yeah. and go see movies like it and we'll send it to the astronaut and he will let us know what he thinks alright that's it Till next that's time a wrap. I'm Adam this is Dan thanks for listening bye